This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to Back of the Nest, the Palace Years. This time, it's season 2012-2013, the promotion season. I'll be talking about it with Patrick O'Connor in just a moment. Back of the Nest, the Palace Years. Okay, Patrick, thanks for joining me. And we decided we only needed you and me for this one. I think, you know, it's a promotion season. It's one of the most important seasons in Palace history. So it was best to get the two most important people on Back of the Nest on the same show. <laughs> I agree 100%. I wonder how many people at home will actually think that I believe that. Do I? Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, um, we'll talk as we often do. We'll get into uh, mainly the topic of transfers in just a moment, but we'll also take you through the first half of the season, some of the key games. Obviously, one of the key um, things that happened in the course of this season was Dougie Friedman leaving for Bolton Wanderers. Um, and if you want any context around that, don't forget, if you look at the back of the nest history um, on your podcast app, you will find an interview with Dougie Friedman where he talks very candidly uh, about what went on and why he left for Bolton and, and his regrets about that. Um, so we'll touch on that, but won't get into the, the detail that we do in that interview from a few years back. Um, and then we'll obviously we'll be talking solidly about the, the fact that we, under Ian Holloway, sort of limped our way into the playoffs uh, on the final day of the season before getting promotion, beating Brighton in the playoff semi-finals, and then beating Watford um, at Wembley. And what a fantastic, fantastic time that was to be a Palace fan. Anyway, Patrick, let's start the uh, back end of the previous season with Dougie in charge and ended you know, without relegation and the team had kind of brought he brought a team together but it was clearly a lot of work to do with the squad and he acted fairly quickly um, sending uh, Antonio Pedrosa back to Mexico I believe um, we lost Darren Ambrose our talisman if you like uh, lost him to Birmingham City Nathaniel Klein uh, decided that Southampton was the next destination for him uh, joining for a couple of million quid I think it was maybe a little bit more 
Um, I can't remember. I'm starting to doubt how much money that was. It was a tribunal, wasn't it? Correct. Um, anyway, I won't. I won't worry too much about that. We sold uh, Sean Scanner to Huddersfield, where he remained for quite a few years. I don't know if he's still on their books. He would have thought he'd been released by now. He was playing at Berry, but I'm not sure if that was on loan uh, last season. But anyway, more to the point, a lot of incomings. Now, some of those, um, I think the most important ones happened in the, the January window, which we'll get into. But um, one really notable transfer, Patrick, was the the signing of Joel Ward from Portsmouth for £400,000. Going into this season, uh, I've said time, haven't I? I shouldn't say time. Going into the season at the current time of recording, <laughs> Joel Ward is looking <laughs> like our... Um, is he going to start the season as our first choice right back unless we do something in the window? So uh, incredible to think way back when that we brought him in um, from Portsmouth. But uh, yeah, your your memories of that signing and obviously a bit about Joel since then? Yeah, um, I remember when he signed um, from Portsmouth, they had mentioned that he was a young, versatile player. I remember they talked about he could play fullback, maybe a little centre-half. It's funny enough, he hasn't played a lot for us very rarely and he could play like a holding midfielder so i was excited about the move we needed a right back at the time obviously because Klein had left so uh you know it's time uh, exciting signing and get Bessie for the price and then uh just just how he's done he's been he's been a great servant for palace i can't you know i mean there are issues with certain ways of his play but as far as just being around and and, and fitting that right back and then he's played left back for us the center he's done so many things for us he's been a very valuable uh addition to our squad and I'm you know actually back then I wasn't sure you know who he was or what he would do but he's it's been a very good addition to our squad yeah and obviously spoiler alert Pulis used him as a defensive midfielder a fair bit as well didn't he so um that's correct yeah yeah very versatile player been an absolutely massive player uh, for Crystal Palace over his time and, and still going we also uh signed I mean this name will bring back so many memories Aaron Wilbrahimovic Wilbraham Nothing, a, bit, a bit of silence from you, Patrick, there. Um, but I'm you know sure what? Um, you, you, just, you were just in awe of the name, weren't you? That's what it was. I'm in awe of the name, but I have to give him credit. You know, we're going to talk about the playoffs. But he, with Murray, when Murray got hurt, you know, spoiler alert, he really did a good job. Didn't score goals for us, but he really put in a shift for us in those in that playoffs post-Murray. i got to give him credit. I know people make fun of him and the Wilberhimovic, you know, he's a little play on word with, Ibrahimovic, but you know what? I mean, for what he for what he did for us, I got to give him credit. He's a bit of a, a a low level cult hero for me. Yeah, funny thing is, he was a very very good technical technical player, wasn't he? It wasn't like you know he was this donkey up front who was just tall. Um, you know, he was very very good with the ball at his feet. Some great hold up play at times, and and a little bit of skill as well. But just never really converted it into opportunities for us. And you know, the irony that he left us and went to Bristol City and scored thirty odd goals for them. Uh, in one season, just is, is not lost on me, but um, but yeah. yeah, certainly, certainly contributed. And as you say, we'll, we'll get onto the playoffs in, in a bit, but he he played a huge part in that as well. And um, yeah, I think most people look back at him fondly, but we'll always remember the fact that he just didn't score. Um, and we've unfortunately got a few strikers like that, haven't we? So, um, the next player, oh, I just you know, on particularly on this show, we really love Peter Remage, uh, we sponsored him way back when under our different identity. Um, he's been on our show a number of times. And I think probably most importantly, in terms of, you know, he probably called it himself, he's not the best centre-back that we've ever had. But 
his attitude was faultless. His commitment was faultless. And he performed such a good role for us at a very important time. But just as a personality as well, he seemed to bring the team together. Um, you know, later on with a with a January signing, we'll talk about it a bit, Damien Delaney. They formed a great partnership um, on and off the pitch. They were, you know, very, very close and worked extremely well together. I can vividly remember their sort of videos on Twitter. They sort of had a, they, you know, you shall not pass was their, <laughs> was their, <laughs> was their kind of motto, if you like. And they're absolutely brilliant. And Ramage was one we've been linked with for a, a long, long time before we ended up signing him. A good couple of seasons we were linked with him from Newcastle. And a really strong signing from Friedman, that one. Yeah, uh, again, a bit of a cult hero. Uh, you rightly point out, really helped. I mean, he kind of reminds me of, you know, when we had the heroes from the Sheffield Wednesday match. You know those type of players. He really just brought a a, a a quick love of the club and love of the team and connected with our fans and put a shift in on the field. Scored some important goals. I remember uh, earlier in that season. And again, just going forward, he was he he just he just never let us down. Again, he wasn't spectacular. Anything he did in particular, but I I seem to remember a game where he got hurt and had a a headband a bandage. Yeah, like, yeah, he went Terry Butcher on us, didn't he? Yeah. That's what Terry Butcher did from the uh, World <laughs> Cup. Yeah, I mean, just things like that. And again. Uh, he's very active on Twitter. He's actually coaches over here in America now with Phoenix Rising. So, and he's, you know, if you if you tweet at him, he'll always respond. And I know he's a, obviously a Newcastle lad at heart, but he's always got the luck of Palace, and you'll you'll, you'll see it in lovely tweets. So, at the time, again, a very valuable sign, a great squad member, and again, he goes on to really help us uh, gain promotion later on. Well, it goes into that um, that philosophy that Dougie said he, he sort of got from Neil Warnock, which was to just bring as many leaders as he could into the team. It's no point having a team with one leader. You just have to have leaders everywhere you look, sort of, you know, six, seven people who are really strong people in the dressing room. Ramage was definitely that. And, you know, you talk about the way you, you connected with the club. You know, the first time I met him in person was at an academy game. <laughs> just came, just sort of noticed him sitting in the stands. He came and had a chat with us because we were doing some of our um, patented comment, uh, commentary. Um, usually forgetting to commentate on the game and in one particular game I spent at least 20 minutes talking about the difference between bees and wasps but you know he was still he was there watching the young players um, and I know he, he did it with youth coaching at Palace and no surprise it's gone on to be a coach although a bit of a surprise they ended up being in uh, in Phoenix but um, but good on him and I'm sure he'll have a long successful career as a coach as well but great player for us uh, the next couple of players uh, that we brought in at the start of the year Go in the kind of did we sign them kind of category, and even the who is he kind of category. So the first one, and this was a season long loan, and I remember this being sold as this is a a young centre back who's going to come in and you know lead the back line, and he's one for the future, potential future England England international. We're going to develop him. He's a Southampton player, but he's going to come in and really make a mark for us. Aaron Martin. So what did you say to me uh, earlier when I mentioned Aaron, Mar- Aaron Martin? Patrick? Honestly, I totally forgot we had signed him. Um, <laughs> during, that's a season where we signed quite a few players who contributed quite a bit to not only that season and future seasons, and that's one player. Now you mentioned him, I do kind of remember the signing, but he didn't add anything to us at all. And, and we talk about Dougie and his signings, and you know we will point out the good ones, and we've just mentioned Rambo for one being a really good signing, and Joel Ward, but you think about like an Aaron Martin, there were going to be plays in there you're going to either not remember 
or who just forget Walt because they just didn't do anything. And he's one of the players that, you know, I remember him being built up uh, via, not social media, but by the, uh, the, um, the BBS, for instance, reading about him and, oh, he's a Southampton player, young centre-half. But I think he told me he's 29 now. So back then he would have been <laughs> 22, 23 years old. So, but honestly, I don't see him doing anything for us. But it happens. Yeah, realising he's playing for Exeter City in League Two was bad enough, but, but realising that he's 29 now made me feel extremely old very quickly. Um, just just goes to show you, in a blink of an eye, a career can almost be over. So uh, there we are. Um, the other player we signed on loan at the same time, although it was a shorter loan and it was terminated as well, because not only was he not a very good player, but he also seemed to be a particularly horrific individual off the pitch. Uh, Google him if you feel the need to. Funny name, not so funny guy, David Goodwillie. Um, still scoring goals uh, north of the border, I believe, but uh, yeah, less said about him, the better. So um, we'll talk about some of the signings that, that went on after... Well, we're talking about all of them, really, that went on after uh, the January, sorry, when the January window kicked in as well, because there's some really key signings. Actually, the first one happened, uh, first two maybe, I think, happened um, before January. Actually, thinking about it, even Delaney did as well. So just ignore me saying that they were January, they were slightly later signings after the season kicked off rather than January window signings. So we had Yannick Balassi. Remember him? <laughs> Yeah, what what a signing that was. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll save the discussion for Yannick when we start talking about the, uh, the start of the season games. Um, Andre Moritz, of course, one season wonder for us. Never forget the couple of free kicks he scored against Wolves. Really classy player, and gutted he didn't didn't have a, a season in the Premiership. What were your memories of Moritz, Patrick? Well, the first thing, get Moritz out for the lad. <laughs> well, yeah. the first thing. Um, Remember him being a uh, highly touted, um, you know, you, you think of South American players, what do you think of, you know, cultured cultured feet. So obviously you just mentioned the free kick specialist. You think about, you know, dominating the ball and picks out a pass, etc. And um, I thought, you know, for this, for, for you know, for the, for the time he was here, he was, he was brilliant. We, did, we didn't get as much of that of him as we would have liked probably, but you, you think of moments. That were just brilliant. The free kicks he talked about, and I remember, I remember the you know the Brighton match, the the ball he plays into to Wilf. I mean, just 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 some just some brilliant moments. And again, South American player just 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 bring out you know just just memories of great things. And yeah, I think he was again he wasn't here for a long time and didn't do a tremendous lot. But when he was here, he, again he's one of those guys he's a member of you know being just a hero for that promotion season. Yeah, definitely. And I, what was nice is he just he managed to fit in with the rest of the players really quickly. Um, we can go back a little while where we had signed players like Walter Del Rio. Um, I can't remember his first name, but Bacunia as well. Um, just some South American players who just didn't fit in with the culture and didn't fit in with the club. Um, but he was he was the opposite. He was very much in the Ramage and Delaney Coffee Club. Um, and just, yeah, everything he, he sort of played with a smile on his face and everything he did was with good humour, really good connection with the fans, talented player, another signing out of the blue. And it would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, um, as he's pointed out many, many times, including on our show, Andy Gray was the one who recommended him uh, to Palace um, and played a big part in that. So well done, Andy. Um, next up was the one of the strangest sort of signings at the time, but a huge signing in the history of this football club, and that was Damien Delaney. Had been out of favour at Ipswich, lost his love for the game, uh, was thinking about either just 
jacking it in or going to America or going to run triathlons and that kind of stuff. But Dougie did what Dougie does <laughs> and um, basically persuaded Damien Delaney to have a go at Palace. And he'd been in the building for 24 hours. I don't think he'd even necessarily met his teammates before he was making his debut um, in the game we played against Sheffield Wednesday. But he, can't, he, he retired this year and obviously what a player for us, Damien Delaney, Patrick. Absolute hero. Um, if you don't like Damo, you don't like Palace, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, great signing. And again, you, you mentioned, I, I think the story behind it is amazing because like you just said, I remember Dougie and I remember Damien actually like, telling the story on either, uh, it must have been on, 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 on one of our shows. And he talked about how he just, you know, like you just said, lost the love of the game. And for someone to convince him out of nowhere to play and then for him to go on to do what he did. I mean, such a huge part of our, of our team of our coach, you mentioned him and Ramage, you talk about, yes, the, the coffee club with Moritz and how he nurtured some of the younger players. And, oh, I mean, just, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a little lost for words. It's just, just an amazing signing. But again, who would have thought to sign Damien Delaney? I mean, he came, you know, he, he did play for a bigger club before, but to sign him at that time and then have him just basically walk, get from the car park and start a match and then to go on to, again, I will, I will hearken on it because I was there the, on the big screen to see him break down and cry at the playoff final yeah. ramage consoling him it was amazing the, the love he had for the club and you know up, up to you know time that he left was amazing again at that just so, again an out of the blue signing who really really was huge for us this season yeah i can't remember exactly who the opposition was it was one of his former clubs i'm thinking it might have been hull um who when we played them in the premier league i saw i often read fan message boards when we beat other teams um because i'm like that and they, um, they they basically were saying, how how the hell have they turned um, Damien Delaney, who is, I think at the time, was 32, how on earth have they managed to turn him into a Premier, a, a top-class Premier League footballer? And over the, you know, over the years in the Premier League, what a player he was for us at a time where you thought, OK, promotion, that'll probably be it for him. That's going to be the highlight of his time at Palace. But he went on to play some fantastic football. Uh, including that one very memorable game where he absolutely dominated uh, Diego Costa to the point where Costa was nearly in tears. That was one of my favourite memories of uh, Damien Delaney. And one I'd almost forgotten about, which I shouldn't have done because he was very, very good for us, and that's Danny Gabadon as well. Um, you know, was was at West Ham and Cardiff. Um, I can't think who else. Um, but, but a very, very solid player and a really nice guy. I met him a couple of times. Uh, always had time for the fans, but... He had, a, he had a spell in the team where he was extremely important for us, his experience in particular, Patrick. Yeah, very cultured player. The, the, you know, the only issue with him, obviously, was his injuries. But whenever he was in the side, I remember there were times when he'd be out due to injury. And I would, I, I'd think about you know him being in the side. He was just a class defender. You know, obviously, he played, played for his country and uh, you know, played at a high level. He did, I think he faced us in the uh, playoff final, correct? Was he on that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. West Ham. I mean, you know, high level player. And again, the only thing that was the thing that he just had these injuries that, you know, unfortunately forced him to, you know, to retire early, but a very class player. Again, I, I follow him on Twitter now and he's always making comments about football. He's a bit of a, he's a commentator now and you hear, I can hear him on, I think it's uh, TalkSport, have him every once in a while on. He's, he's, a, he's just a very, very knowledgeable person. He's definitely a person that should go into culture one day. But again, a brilliant uh, pickup by us. And again, it's, it's a little bit like the Blaney one. You wouldn't think that he would. You could turn him into a great player, but what an, what an addition he was for us, especially going on as you see into the playoffs. 
Yeah, definitely. He um he actually does a podcast uh, on mainly on, on Welsh football with uh, Ewan Roberts, oh, okay. uh, former Welsh striker, right. uh, and also the comedian Ellis James, who I'm a huge fan of as well. Um, so when you've obviously run out of back of the nest podcasts <laughs> to uh, listen to, give, give that a go. It's um it's quite funny, and also you get some incredible insight. Uh, into the lives of footballers as well, which I quite like. Um, so I'll quickly run through um, <laughs> three names in a row, Patrick, and just if you have any thoughts at all, <laughs> let me know. Alex Nimley, Jacob Butterfield, Jazz Richards. Okay, uh, Nimley, not much to talk about with him. He didn't really add anything. Uh, Butterfield came with a decent reputation, a skillful midfielder, creative midfielder, and you know, you always kind of want those players in your side, but just never really got going for us, uh, which was a real shame. Jazz Richards, um, you know, Welsh defender uh, from Swansea, I believe he played for Swansea at some point. Yeah, he was. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he was an interna- international player. I mean, he was in the squad a few times. And, uh, you know, with us, he was, you know, decent defender, uh, kind of a block, really, because, uh, you know, Joel Ward's emergence kind of stopped him from playing, and obviously um, it, he couldn't really go to centre-half that really was in position, so he was kind of blocked out by Ward. Ward had, a, you know, really played well that season, so a uh, decent addition. I think, uh, you know, probably wasn't needed due to the fact that uh, we were covered, but um, like I said, I, th- I think at the time he was uh, pretty well tied in. Back then he was young, he probably was about 23, 24, he was younger than that when he came to us. Because he needed to get playing time, but no, he was he would have been. But again, a Nimley, I don't think did, did anything for us at all, did he? No, Nimley came with probably the biggest reputation of all. Well, actually, maybe Butterfield. Yeah, but, he was tipped. Right. You're quite, you're quite right. But but Nimley came from Man City, obviously. Right. Um, one, one of their one of their highly regarded youngsters. Um, it wasn't long after leaving us, um, after another unsuccessful loan in this country, that he went to Finland, where I believe he still plays today. So um, there you yeah. go. But. Um, yeah, there was one other signing I haven't mentioned. It started off as an out and became a loan back later on, and that was Wilfred Zaha. Don't think we need to get into that, but obviously joined Man United in the January window for £15 million, Alex Ferguson's last signing, and spent the rest of the year uh, on loan with I'll us. I'll just say probably the best loan um, ever in our history. But <laughs> Yeah, fantastic loan yeah, that was. Yeah, what, what a player. <laughs> Don't know who supported him. <laughs> Anyway, so there you go. Just a, a real rundown of what happened. Huge amount of squad surgery there. Very necessary. And what's really noticeable is after the first couple of games of the season, we really sort of dug deep to find these these gems. You know, Yannick Balassi for 150 grand or wherever it was. Um, Andre Moritz on a free. Damien Delaney on a free. Danny Gabbard on a free. Um, what, what a huge contribution that they made uh, to the football club, not just this particular season. But, you know, in a general sense, changed our history. So, you know, a lot of praise for the for the management team that brought those in and the scouts that identified that they would work. But let's uh, let's get into the season itself. So we started off, we had an opening day defeat against Watford that I won't get into. But, it's, you know, obviously the key thing there is we put the last game we played that season was against Watford at Wembley, where we actually did get our revenge. But the, probably the most important game uh, of the season, which is a weird one because it was it was a heavy defeat, uh, and that was when we played Bristol City away. Now we never have fun against Bristol City, and this was at a time where we really started to build a, an intense hatred of each other. I think, um, and they absolutely smashed us off the park. You know, we were we had a lot of optimism at the start of that season, a little bit damaged by the opening day defeat, but no way did we expect to go to Bristol City, and be hammered four one. 
And um, I, I, I don't really know. I don't really want to get into the the details of the game, but I think you know. Just I'll, I'll run you through the team that we had there. Um, so Julian Speroni was in goal. We had Joel Ward at right back. Um, I think well, we had Parr at left back, Aaron Martin at centre back, um, and I think I'm right in saying. Was either Dean was either Dean Moxie um, was uh, oh, I'm really struggling here. I can't work out who plays centre back alongside Martin. It I'm might have actually been Ward. Ramage, oh yeah, yeah. Peter, Peter Ramage. You're quite right. It was Peter, Peter Ramage. So, but then Dean Moxie or Johnny Parr played further forward on the left hand side. Exactly. Yeah, they played. Yeah, they did midfield. Yeah, yeah, Strange, which was, like which was odd. Lineup. And then obviously we had KG as the sitting midfielder, Garvan as the sitting midfielder and Jednak as the sitting midfielder, which gives you a little <laughs> idea into, into what I'm about to get into. But uh, Wilbraham up top. Um, yeah. and uh, But we had, you know, Wilfred Zaha was in the team. So, uh, and Kyle De Silva made an appearance off the bench. Um, again, a player, unfortunately, blighted by injury. Uh, the subs we didn't use, Lewis Price, David Wright, Stuart O'Keefe, Andy Wait Dorman. Andy Dorman. Yeah. And, uh, and Matty Parsons <laughs> as well. But anyway, so it was a, it was a comprehensive defeat. Um, also worth mentioning, Kwesi Apayo had signed from Margate as well. We had a, had a little game off the bench there. But the most important reason that's the most important game of the season was in the aftermath, the infamous car park intervention, I'm going to call it, where management and board had a conversation about how we were playing the direction we were going and what needed to happen there was a very frank exchange of views but it changed our season off the back of that we signed Balassi we signed Damo we went on to sign Gabidon um, we made some loan signings we really you know the, the Dougie got what he wanted which was more options but the board also got what they wanted which was being a bit more brave uh, I think there's a very famous tweet uh, in Palace circles, anyway, from from Steve Parish that year, Patrick, where he was getting some stick from the fans, and he just replied with the sentence, "It's not me who picks two defensive midfielders to play in every game." Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, what a pointed tweet that was! I actually remember <laughs> that. That's incredible. Could you think about it? Yeah, we picked KG and Jednak for every single game, and I mentioned on the previous podcast that you know I want to give Dougie credit because um, he set he set up a certain way. You know, he, he was very structured. And we want to always give Pulis credit and we give um, Allardyce credit for being structured. But when you think about those 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 early um, teams that Dougie put together, it was always with those two sitting uh, midfielders in front of a back four. So you're really allowing, you've got six players there. You're really allowing only four players to maybe get forward. You've got like, the, you've got Garvin, maybe Zaha out wide. In this case, you had Moxie probably in front of KG and, and um, I'm sure in Jednak. And he had Abraham, Abraham, Wilbraham up front by himself. So it wasn't very exciting. So to get hammered 4-1 away to Bristol City, an intervention was definitely needed. Absolutely right. Um, and that intervention had immediate effects. As I mentioned earlier on, we got our first win of the season in the, I think it was a couple of games after, to be fair, where we played Sheffield Wednesday at home. And that was the first game that Damien Delaney played. And he played absolutely out of his skin for a player who hadn't played any football for months um, and was on the verge of quitting. It was incredible. And we really had a, a very good run of games. Um, we went on um, to sort of push towards the top end of the table. Again, it's something of a myth that Dougie uh, left the club with Palace top of the league. We weren't. We were in and around the top six initially. 
uh, and his last game was was a draw, two two draw against Millwall. Um, that is a game that I remember very well because we went into it, and there was obviously the rumours, Patrick, that that Dougie was going to go to Bolton, and I think to a fan on social media and message boards and what have you, we were all laughing our heads off about it, about how ridiculous it was. Uh, we went into this game, and there just seemed something a little off. The, pl- the players, but we went two 0 up. Um, but it just seemed to die a little bit. And if I think I'm right in saying that Dean Moxie was sent off as well, um, given given for a handball. And we ended up hanging on to keep it to a 2-2. But very, very shortly after that, um, we, we lost Dougie Friedman. And there's a lot of shock at the time. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, we don't want to sort of get into the, the details of why it was because Dougie's explained that uh, in person on, a, on an interview we did um, a couple of years back. But really, just get a reaction from you, Patrick, on um, on on Dougie leaving at that time and what it, what it meant to you and how it felt. I was not only shocked but very upset. Normally, and I've said this before, I don't really get too caught up in managers leaving because I understand it's part of the business of professional. I just thought in this case, I didn't understand it. I understand, obviously, I'm not going to compare Chris Pat to Bolton Wanderers. I mean, you know, on paper. Uh, and historically, especially historically, they have they're they're a big club. And uh, but I just thought he had done such a great job with us. I mean, you could want to go back and you know he you know how you know he was involved before with you know with the club and how he you know he just did a good great job the year before. We had that great cup run. It wasn't a great season of all, but the cup run it was just and we were playing well. I think you just mentioned. I think we we went that was part of a fourteen match unbeaten one that we that he was a part of. So yeah. to leave. And again, you're talking about you know how he dev- I mentioned before he's he's great developer of young players, Zaha, and he brings in a player like Balassi and finds a player, you know, brings brings Damo off the off the scrap, he brings Ramage and just, I mean just great finds and we're playing so well and again that the intervention meant that we were actually got a little bit more expansive and you know won some really fun matches going forward. And for him to it was just I don't know, it was just it was bizarre. So I was very upset at him leaving. And again, because it threw us into a you know such a such turmoil, we didn't know who you know Lenny Lawrence was you know took over temporarily. That didn't last very long, because he ended up you know leaving. Uh, it was just it was a it was a bad time. And I and I remember again, I was a, I was a big message board person back then, not as much Twitter. And the message board was melting down. There was so much venom towards towards Dougie at the time, and calling him all kind of of names. And then even when you know up to this time, there were still people I've gotten over. It, I admit, but a lot of people still are very very upset at. At it, and again, I, I get the big club, but I just didn't understand him leaving us, and leaving us the way he did. Like you said, we were we were in and around the top six. For him to do it with that was tough. But again, if you listen to the interview, you see you'll know a little bit now more why, and you kind of forgive him for it because again, it was a family decision and a monetary thing. Not it wasn't personal at all. You can't put personal things into football, really. No, absolutely right. And you say he does go into detail. And he you know he explains that he didn't sort of want to leave, but things kind of snowballed really quickly. Um, and they ended up in a row between him and Steve Parrish. And, exactly. You know, again, he mentioned himself. He ended up, in, uh, you know, driving up to Bolton and thinking, "Oh no, I've <laughs> made a horrible mistake here." And you know, but you know, it was too late by that point. Um, there's, a, there's a sort of few few things to sort of pick out from there. But one of the clearest memories I have of that time was we did a because we were obviously a live show back then. Um, and we, whenever something major happened at Palace, which seems to be every week back in those days, but um, we'd jump on and do a, a, a Homestale Radio Extra show 
And um, we did that to talk about Dougie leaving and Steve Parrish uh, called up to explain um, what had happened and, and how, you know, how he felt about it as well, which was, uh, yeah, sort of changed the direction of that show massively. But it was you know, back then we had an incredible contact with the club because uh, obviously it was a much smaller organisation and, and much less attention on it. So it was a good opportunity for the, the board to communicate directly with the fans. And that was an example of that happening. Um but yeah, strange, strange times. As you say, Lenny Lawrence took charge with uh, Curtis Fleming for a couple of games and then Lenny went to, to join Dougie and then Curtis took Palace um, himself to a 2-0 win over Blackburn uh, which handed and he handed the team over to Ian Holloway who was uh, in the crowd in that game, um, handing the team over in, th- in third place. We'd actually gone top uh, when we beat Leicester under Lenny Lawrence which is where lots of people get the idea that we were top of the league under Dougie but that didn't actually happen um okay so just to take us into the the end of the first half of the season the I've got I've picked out two sort of important events one was Holloway's first game against Ipswich I don't know what your memories are of this one Patrick but it was an absolute thrashing I think Ian Holloway didn't you know couldn't hide his um his delight in taking over a team that could absolutely destroy the opposition the way it did uh, beating Ipswich five nil. It was um, I, I was in the main stand for that game. I can't remember why. Um, it was some sort of halftime thing. I remember I had to walk around the pitch at halftime and got massively bullied by my uh, my friends in inverted commas who were at the back of the half away chanting horrible things in my general direction. But um, but uh, an incredible game of football. Absolutely destroyed Ipswich. Yeah. Um... And the thing is, uh, you noticed immediately the, the difference in the management style between Holloway and Friedman. Like you said, we, we mentioned before, you didn't see the defensive uh, thing that Duke Friedman was known for with the, with the holding midfielders, and you, you just see an all-out assault on Ipswich. You know, he unleashed the Lassie and Zaha, and it was an incredible game. It really was. And it was, I mean, to, to come in from a you know, your new club, he came from Blackpool and to to win the first match five nothing was incredible. And if it weren't weren't a bad side back then at all, so it, it really brought in a really good feeling around the club because obviously people were still upset at what happened with Dougie, and then we thought maybe Len Lawrence would take over, and he left, and Chris Fleming. I mean, it was it was just it was it was those times were bad times. So that was to Holloway's credit a really great way for him to start uh, his uh, Palace career as a manager. Yeah, definitely. And if you, I think it really it sort of helped show him what Palace were all about at that time, which was, it was, you know, I think the HF were really in their ascendancy at the time. You had, you know, Balassi and Zaha on the wings. Uh, Glenn Murray scored a hat-trick in this game. Um, you know, finished the season with an absolute ton of goals. And, you know, we had such a good team uh, at this point. Even when you sort of look down it and look at some of the players, and you think, oh my God, <laughs> not quite sure how we, we manage with them in the side. But I'm not going to mention names because I'm a nice guy. But, um, but yeah, we... Um, we really were one hell of a threat at that point. And, you know, Zaha had just started to really make the rest of the the world wake up and notice what we had. And it was not that long later that he left and went to Manchester United before coming back quite rapidly. Uh, finally, yeah, I just, the... Sorry, I just noticed we had three penalties in that game. And yeah. I know that McCarthy went mad after that game. Talk about how could your team concede three penalties in the same game? So... <laughs> Yeah, that's another reason. Yeah, it was it was quite the match. It really was. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and the last game of of note was beating Brighton three 0 On all I could just remember, 
I just loved every second of it. And the fact that it happened after Lewis Dunk got sent off really early on as well. Um, and obviously off the back of the, the previous season, beating them 3-1 at their own place. And it just, you know, what a, what a fantastic result that was. So we went into, to, which I'll be honest, the, the results started to drop off. The kind of consistency had started to drop off a little bit. Um, and we'll get into that uh, in just a moment. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the nest, the Palace years. So on to the second half of the season, really, and um, well, there's not a huge amount to mention here. The, the year sort of finished with a it was finished with a two-two draw against Forest, and as I was mentioning before, that was that's where we began to stutter a little bit. And now there's been a bit of revisionism since then, and even at the time, a lot of people were saying it was a direct result of Holloway and how he played. But what we don't know and can never know is what would have happened if Dougie had stayed and had those same things to deal with the players dropping form. Uh, Zaha being distracted by the attention from Man United, which eventually forced the transfer. Um, you know, injuries, suspensions, those kind of things. We don't know how that would have would happened. What we do know is that we had a couple of highlights as we limped our way into the playoffs and beating Charlton's always good. We did that. We put things right by beating Bristol City. But probably a low light. And uh, we've brought in Mr. Mike Scott to help us deal with this. Um, that was we lost 3-0 to Brighton at the uh, Amex Stadium. Now, I've said this on previous episodes way back, but I'm going to get into it now. That game, that game, I basically fell out with everybody that I knew as a direct result of that match. I, I just had, I didn't have the best of times getting down there. You never do. Um, I missed part of the game because, again, the police insisted on marching you all around the houses to avoid the pubs as they learned their lesson from when they marched us directly in front of Brighton pubs and got bottled and all that kind of stuff. But I think probably the worst part was just how, in, in, the, in the lead up to the game, and this is where Holloway lost a lot of brownie points, he said it's just another game. And we played like it was just another game. And, to Bright- and Brighton played like it was Palace versus Brighton. And they smashed us 3-0 and it, and it basically eliminated the fact we'd done the same to them earlier in the season. So all that good feeling just went completely out the window. Um, and I remember I'd, I'd organised to be on a minibus to get back out of Brighton. But, so I'm already miserable. And then I had to basically watch us drive past where I lived near enough to go all the way back up to Croydon and then get a train back myself later on, which just annoyed me even more and I remember, I remember going to the cherry trees at Norwood Junction and you know if there's anyone who I spoke to who is still a listener <laughs> to what we do who I was incredibly rude to I am sorry I, but I was rude to everybody and 
you know, there were people who came up to talk to me and I just basically told them where to go. Um, I'm sure they understood being Palace fans, but, um, you know, losing to Brighton really does reduce me to a pathetic little human being. So that's my story. And, and, and didn't we concede two in about eight seconds as well? Um, and then, yep. Yeah, and then, and then what, 45 minutes left of the game and we're 3-0 down? Um, I, I haven't looked it up. I, I just come on, but um, it was there was a long old point of the game left. So, you, you, I think you can be forgiven for being pretty pissed off, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The level of pissed offness that I had was, like I say, I, I, I think people would generally understand it. But gee, I don't even remember this at the time. But they had just um, signed what's his name, Yajoa, and they started when they started singing Glad or Joa and, and all that kind of stuff, and they had couple of um, they had a Spanish player David Lopez um, where they'd had Spanish day at the Amex which we were mocking but he scored a brilliant free kick um, I was going to say he, he's the one that scored like the, the, oh, the I'm going to say the first goal um, but he definitely scored that day it was a it was a header from Ajoa first and then he scored scored the free kick and it was yeah then okay. it was out just just after half time that Ajoa scored the other one as well and I have looked that up I don't just know that because uh, I had blocked it out of my my memory, but um, we just oh, we just did nothing in that game. Um, but that's the worst thing you can possibly do as a Palace manager: play it down and then put a performance in like that. Um, you know, it, his comments after the game were: "With the team I picked, I expected us to cause them a few more problems defensively and create a few more chances, but unfortunately, it didn't pan out that way. We needed to come out all guns blazing in the second half, but we went out with a powder puff. Really, that again." That's Ian Holloway, but that's not how you address a 3 0 defeat to Brighton. Went out with a powder puff. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um. There's nothing more frustrating than losing to Brighton. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. It's the. Because I'm older than you, and I understand the rivalry because I actually wasn't alive when Adam Mallory uh, caused this whole issue. Um, There's nothing with animals. Like, it's nothing more frustrating. So forget now. Back then, I remember I was talking to Chris a pre-show. It was a Sunday, and it absolutely ruined my Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, up to our next match. It drove me nuts. And it was the comments after that I read that infuriated me. And again, I had never had a problem with Holloway, but I, to hear those quotes, because I remember, because that game was a Sunday, so it was on TV here, so I watched it live. I was wanted to kick the television. I was so upset after that game. And then I went like an idiot onto the BBS. God, what was I thinking? And the comments from the people on the BBS, because they used to have a BBS. They used to have a, uh, they usually have a, a, a match thread. Yeah. Like an idiot. I go on there. Then I read the post-match thread. And they were rating the players. And they were rating, talking about Holloway. I'm like, oh, I was so upset. It was just infuriating. And to lose and them, a Bucky had a great game. And I'm reading comments about how great Bucky's better than Zaha. And I was <laughs> oh, it was so unbelievable. Where was he now, by the way? Oh, no, no, no time uh, comments. But... Just unbelievably frustrating that game. It really was. And I just, the ending is perfect. You know, going to know what happens later. Yeah. But that game was absolutely one of the, I'm not even kidding, lowest points. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add last, the, two, the seasons of seven, uh, 17, 18, let's call it, for time yeah. uh, uh, reasons as really being bad. But that one right there, that's the first they beat by way in about 25 years. It was so frustrating. Yeah, I, could, I completely agree. And I'm, thinking by how we've discussed it that we're possibly still not over it but, um, <laughs> we, we should we should be we really should be but um 
but look, that's that's you know, it's a negative and it was a horrible thing, but that was a, a run. It was the second game of a run we had with nine games not winning up until the last game of the season. So this season of promise where we topped the league, we spent the entire season in and around the playoffs. It was all falling apart, we, we felt at that time. And we went into the last game against Peterborough. Now, what I really remember from that, we won the game 3-2 and it relegated Peterborough, uh, which um, was extremely good because what's his face? Uh, the guy who's a Peterborough fan, talk sport, who I hate. Adrian Durham. Uh, Adrian Durham, that's him, yeah. I don't know his name uh, off the top of my head because he's blocked me on Twitter. The um, ginger blank, so. they call him, right? Yeah, that's the guy, yeah. And look, you know, I've got nothing against gingers at all. Um, they're people too. But I do hate Adrian Durham with a, with a passion. And I do understand that he does a lot of what he does just to get reactions so people call in and all that stuff. I get that, but he's just... Yeah. What a horrific human being. But anyway, we relegated them, which was delightful. But most importantly, during the course of that game, I remember it well, looking at um, the scores on my phone, as everybody does when it's the last game of the season, you've got something to play for. And at one stage, a certain Bolton Wanderers, managed by a certain Douglas Friedman, were in the playoffs at our expense. But fortunately, we went ahead, won that game. And well, the rest, as they say, is history. Because, gentlemen... It took us into a playoff, two-legged semi-final against Brighton and Hove Albion. Can I just um, go back to the scenes when yeah. we actually went three-two up in that game? There yeah. were there were scenes like that. That's <laughs> that's that's the kind of memory from Palace that I I remember, and I I can't think of that. I can think of about I don't know half a dozen since we've been in the Premier League, but that was that was proper scenes. We went three two up in that in that game. Yeah, they're the moments you cherish. They really are. They're the things you look back on. And again, I, I will I will have said things along this line many times on this show. But it's where you you're celebrating, but there's like a bit of time loss from when you start celebrating to when you suddenly realise where you are, and you don't quite understand why you're thirty rows further forward, and you don't know any of the people that you're <laughs> hugging, <laughs> and you just think. Hmm. Uh, okay, <laughs> and slowly, slowly walk back to your seat. Uh, but yeah, um, that was definitely one of those moments. And that obviously, yeah, as I say, took us into that the two-legged thing. So the first leg was a bit of a damp squib. That squib. And anyone who <laughs> heard one of our previous shows will know how angry I get if people say squib. Uh, that wasn't supposed to go in the show, but <laughs> thanks, Mikey. Um, but anyway, uh, and it was nil-nil, but the highlight there really, and I say highlight, it's not really a highlight for, for Glenn Murray, was him getting that terrible uh, knee ligament injury and the reaction of the Brighton support to seeing let him die at it, which um, is interesting considering what happened later on uh, in Glenn's career going back there, isn't it? Um, showing their class. So very, very tense. And obviously you sort of feared the worst. We'd beaten them 3-0 at home previously, lost 3-0 away. This time, nil-nil at home, and we're going away. We're just, it's not that long since they'd done us 3-0 there, and we feared the absolute worst. But, gentlemen, what happened was, let's face it, Wilfred Zaha is what happened. Um, I have I have vivid recollections of points of that game, but lots of it was a kind of tension slash I was going to say, I remember um, very little of it. I was absolutely bricking it. Um, so, I watched it. Um, at my dad's club, my dad's social club that was that was run by 
well, it's, it's, it's still is run by Palace fans, um, down in Wellington, uh, Nick Hood, and, and everyone was so nervous that we were drunk by, I don't know, half hour before kickoff. Um, we, we, we just kind of thought we'll, we'll see this through and uh, we'll see what happens. But Zaha, I mean, what, what a man, what a man. That if, if anything, that made just... the, the, the Man United thing even more imminent. Well, it was bearable. It was understand, you know, we could we could sort of it was a send off for him, wasn't it? Where you like he didn't he left us with something extremely meaningful um, um, by doing that, and yeah, it became it became a bit more palatable to lose him. Um, and obviously, we now know that he just just got him back eventually. Um, but again, my uh, Patrick, I know you want to jump in there, uh, but it's very very quickly. I was at at the Amex for it and sort of back right corner as you as you look at the away stand. Um and I can re I can remember so clearly the the Spironi save from Barnes. Because I, I mean I have still this to this day I hate Ashley Barnes, even though he plays for Burnley and he's quite hard, you know, he's a half decent player now. Um but at the time I just thought he was awful and I thought every time we played when he was in, in you know in the opposition we made him look good. And I saw him come off the bench. I thought, right, this is this is going to be typical. He's going to come on. He's going to change the game, and that's going to be it for us. Just because I hate him. And when he came on and got got through, I still at the time, the first thing the first thing you see obviously is you you see it hit the bar and you think that he's missed. But when you see it again, and you just cannot believe the save. I still don't think I've seen a better save by any goalkeeper for Crystal Palace. Now there'll be people listening to this who will have different opinions or will have. A longer range of um, saves to think about, but for me, it was just the ultimate, and that was the as big a game-changing moment as, as Zaha's goals. And that's the thing, and that's the reason why I'm such a huge Julian Sperani fan. I'm not sure I was a huge fan prior to this season for no particular reason. I've, you know, I'm, I'm not really a person that you know loves or hates goalkeepers. But, you know, well, that's not true. Honestly, <laughs> um, but um. That save was absolutely incredible. It really was. And you talk about, you know, there's always that phrase about how goals change change games. Well, saves change, change games also. And that save at that time was absolutely huge. They were putting pressure on us. I think before Johnny Winners had missed a great chance. Uh, Zaha put him through. He'd missed. Oh, such a great opportunity for the kid. He, he puts the ball wide. And, you know, so it was very, very tense. You know, it's nil-nil. They score at that point. It's hard for us to come back. And then he goes on in the, you know, we're going to talk about the playoff final and and, and, does, and plays another brilliant game. From that time on, I was such a huge Baroni fan and it will never change. But that save to me really changed the course. And actually, I'm sitting here now at the full, watching it now because he hits it off the barn and they, yeah, I think Ramage heads it all over or Samo <laughs> heads it over. Samo, I think it was, heads it over. Uh, just brilliant. And then the, the play after that, Moxie makes a great save off the line. It just incredible defensive play that really just changed that whole to me changed that entire game and luckily i was lucky enough by the way to see this game live again luckily it was televised live over here so just incredible memories for me of that game and let's not forget that um marbury was injured as well um so we, we had what that is huge especially against his former <laughs> employer as well Correct. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I think the other the only other thing I mentioned from this when we when we talk about Wilf with was if you'd asked me the number of different ways we would score the opening goal, <laughs> and I, I, Yannick Balassi crossing the ball, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yep, okay. Wilf and Zaha dive headering yeah. it, no, just no, and um, it was very clear. Um, and this is where you know Holloway does deserve credit, not only for how he set us up in these games and and indeed the final. Um, but that was direct coaching from Holloway. Wilf said it, and Holloway said it himself that it really pushed Wilf and and Yannick as well on the other side. That when they didn't have the ball to stop, just standing out there, which was their kind of natural reaction, and to try and get in and get across the fullback, it was something that was happened in training, and Wilf put it into practice on the day and ran across Wayne Bridge, fantastic header into the goal. I mean, his celebration was amazing, and again, just to see it in front of you and. Again, just to lose your mind completely. Uh, and the second goal was a thing of beauty because, again, I don't think I saw it coming. I don't think that we, I thought it was just, we're going to have to hang on here. And, you know, KG just sliding that ball into Wilf. That that turn and the finish, and again, with his left foot as well, smashing it that hard into the goal. Um, it's something I, I think he could, even, you know, even now at the time of recording, he, he, could, he could do more of just using that strength shifting the ball and just getting right behind the shot. But it was perfect. It was a perfect moment. It was still speeding up as it hit the net. And it just, again, the celebrations were just glorious. And, you know, if that was that was enough, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, but the final itself, guys, the final against Watford, very tense affair. But I think the most, again, most important things for me, not a huge memory of, of the game itself, in all honesty. Um, a lot of alcohol starting at 9am in a Weatherspoons. Um, and for some reason, I got very emotional at the end of the game as well. But um, but just Wilbraham playing a blinder apart from in front of goal and missing chance after chance after chance. I remember that. Um, I remember... Speroni save from Dini. Oh my God. You know, it's not quite up there with the Barnes save, but it's not far off. It's just as important. It is an incredible reaction to punch the ball away from Dini as he bundled his way through. Amazing stuff. Um, but also the fact that Watford fans have started to hate Zaha from what was a terrible challenge by Cassetta, who was knackered, dead on his feet, and just couldn't cope with Wilf after Wilf had tormented him the whole time. And let's not forget one of the best loanees of the season, slagged off when we bought him. Why are we signing this this old man and all this kind of stuff? Kevin Phillips, um, what a sweet moment. A player I had no time for before I joined Palace, and I just cannot believe what a player he still was at 37 years old. Vital for us going up that season. And, and was he only thirty-seven then? Oh. I thought he's forty. I was going to say I thought he's forty. Well, okay. Maybe thirty. No, thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. You're quite right. It was thirty because he was forty when we uh, when he started. We started the following season. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. The da- the Danny save is is the one thing that sticks in my memory. I watched it with my old man. We went along. Um, he's not a Palace fan. Went with a load of other Palace fans. Um, he just he got so involved. Um, that that Kevin Phillips penalty, he lost his, he absolutely lost himself with it. Um, for that for that day, he was a Palace fan. Um, I, yeah, I mean to be honest, if you just remember the 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 Sparrowny say for the for, for that for for, for Dini and then Kevin Phillips goal, uh, Kevin Phillips penalty, that's that's all that really matters, isn't it? So I've, yeah. I've got to share this now. So as you. 
all know I live in America and have been since 1979. So I've, I've only gone to England on and off to visit my family. So after the Brighton game, I was pretty big on Twitter. And a young man named Will Block, who's also fellow Pakistan, lives here, told me, you should go to the final. I'm like, you've got to be out of your mind. I'm not going to the player final. So long story short, I uh, became a member of the uh, uh, international club access tickets, decided, you know what, I'll never get to go to see Paz and play a final again. Let me go. Uh, got tickets. Looking at the ticket now, I was in I was in block 533, row 30, seat 198 and 199. My son came with me. My son had not seen a Palace game since, since he was about nine. I'd been to previous year under, oh gosh, a Warnock, a Hereford United League Cup game in, I don't even know what year that was, honestly. <laughs> So I fly over, uh, get the seats. My son is very excited. He This is thir- 2013, so he is then, oh gosh, 20 years old. He's in college, university, correct, right. So we, we get there and, uh, you know, walk into the stadium. I'm so excited and I'm bricking it. I really am. I'm just so nervous. You know, we get through the 90 minutes, we get into extra time and uh, the penalty happens. And me and my son, we jump up and we're screaming and, we're in the palace section, you know, we're very high up and we get a perfect view of, uh, you know, of, of the penalty. And I'm deciding myself, do I want to watch or not watch? So I thought I have to watch. So Kevin Phillips scores and, and you guys have been in Wembley. You know how the delayed reaction in the sound that you hear in the war? So there's a yeah. reaction because there's palace fans behind the goals and obviously on, I'm on the palace side. And then the Watford side, the other side. And actually, I'm actually halfway. So like maybe two sections over are the Watford fans. You can, you know, they kind of uh, blocked it off. So... And you hear the roar, and it's incredible. And I am absolutely screaming. My son starts crying. I start crying because we're so emotional. And then Palace hold on and make it. You know, they they get it. And at the end of the at the end of the game, it's incredible because Palace fans stay. Obviously, the Watford fans leave, so the stadium is half empty. As I mentioned before, you, you get the big screen, and the Palace fans are going up to get the trophy, and you see Damo collapse, and he's crying. You see this on the screen, and you see. Uh, 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 Ramage come over and, and 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 hug him, and we all start talking about it. And we we I said, oh my, it's just an incredible to see him raise raise the trophy. It was honestly the biggest thrill I've ever had as a Palace fan. The second one would have been the semi-final against Watford again when I flew up again for the semi. The worst feeling was being there for the FA Cup final against Man United, but just to be there, I'm so happy to have been there. And you mentioned before Wolverham, but let's not forget Stuart O'Keefe. Had a oh, um, had a brilliant game. I mean, a player who didn't get a lot of playing time that season came on because like, somebody got injured, didn't they? He came on for David Wright. Someone got in, injured. He came on and he was brilliant in that game. He put in some great challenges. You know, Wilf was great. You know, people want to get set at, at Wilf. That was a stone cold penalty. But just the memories of that game were just incredible. I will never ever forget that day. It was just brilliant. And to have my son there, who is now you know a young man of twenty odd years is a huge Palace fan never never wasn't born in you know London born in America it's brilliant that's one of the things we talk about a lot with that with him it's just a really great memory something I wouldn't won't never forget it was just a great great day out nah that's um that's great I, I just want to give you uh two two additions to that Patrick before we before we end this uh episode of Back in the Nest the Palace years and that is that first of all it was KG who was injured oh uh, okay sure. yes he came off the KG correct you're right yep Remember that. And most importantly, I think that Hereford game was where Calvin Andrews scored. You know, I was there. Were you? It was a, it was a yeah. pretty empty, Chris, it was a very empty stadium. I say right behind yeah, I know, I know. Back it was then, about... I got a pound, ticket for a pound. I bought like eight of my family members. <laughs> I sat right behind the Palace dugout. 
I heard you want to shout the entire game. You are Albert Andrew played in that game. So did Andy Dorman. So did a bunch of players who never, you know, it was it was probably two thousand eight nine maybe. Yeah, it was either he either scored or it was his debut for us. Exactly. I remember, I remember, I remember basically just remember judging Calvin Andrew in that game. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was, but I was definitely there. And you're right; they were next to no Hereford supporters. Oh, and very few. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was very. Yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so um, yeah, let's end that one there. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers to Sanford producing for Pat for Patrick joining me, and obviously Mike joining a little bit later on as well. We will be back soon with the next episode of Back of the Nest, the Palace Years. <laughs>